0: This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my co-host, who has secrets to reveal. Doo,
1: doo, doo. I will tell you all the secrets about my co-host. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. we've, been not, okay. we've been together for and a long time. The end of this episode. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening. <laughs> hmm.
1: Didn't quite go as expected.
0: <laughs> or did it? Anyway. This is the Royal Elephant podcast. We're here to, uh, I don't know whether these are secrets, but certainly the cloud providers, some of these things, do a pretty good job on protecting the information, I feel.
1: It's more of a glossing over, like, let's not go look at that. This is shiny, shiny here, shiny, does not look there.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean there's a we'll we'll come to the the super duper secret so stay tuned to the end of the episode if you want to hear the the dirty laundry aired but we'll start this off with um Microsoft finally admitting uh that they are going to uh, store and process EU data within the EU now you may have thought but surely you know these cloud providers have uh have regions all over the world, including many within the EU. And that is absolutely true. But just because of the way that clouds are typically built, that doesn't necessarily mean that all data will always remain within the region that it may have been ingested to for all sorts of reasons. And and this is uh, under sort of continued kind of regulatory pressure, basically, a lot of the cloud providers are now moving in this direction. This is not a, a thing like this, the particular blog post that if you're watching on YouTube, you can see, uh, is talking about uh, Microsoft and their Azure cloud. But this is not uh, not something that's unique to to Microsoft or Azure at all, is it, York?
1: Well, I would say it is unique in that Azure is going further than the other cloud at the moment. I mean, Azure has been kind of spearheading their move into government and public sector, which brought along a lot of compliance requirements. And of course GDPR and things like that uh, play a big picture there. So it's not surprising Azure is, uh, I'm going to say leading the wave. No, it's not really leading. It's just doing what they have to do to stay in business, to be Mm -hmm. honest. Uh, But the other clouds will definitely have something similar happening soon because that's a fun part about competition. If your competitors do something, you kind of have to do it yourself. (laughs) That's how the free market works at its best. I
0: I I also think the cloud providers, the hyperscalers. I think we've I think we may have touched on this before, but I I really like the fact that there are three like really good options like they all have their strengths and frankly they also all have their weaknesses mm-hmm. but the fact that there's three rather than just a, a duopoly like you only need to look at the uh you know look at the graphics card market for example and and see how um you know how that has continued to play out um, over the years versus this which is like they're always all three of them are always trading blows and yes we all know that there's a there's a hierarchy to them in terms of their size and scale and success but they also all each have their sweet spots so i think this is another area where you know, azure is as you say is kind of is kind of leading the way is is doing uh, more in this space and i think will attract more customers that where this is something that they are particularly focused on or interested in. Yeah, and
1: I can actually see this. I mean, as I mentioned earlier in other podcast episodes, I've I work with public sector government customers, and in this part of the the world, it's almost a hundred percent Azure when it's greenfield. Mm-hmm. Some organisations have her in cloud earlier that have been there for like a decade while well, they started on Amazon because Amazon was available and the rest didn't exist yet. It was <laughs> very embryonic yeah. still, and they're kind of feeling the pain now and I see the most of the hybrid cloud things happening where they want to add more things coming to compliance issues and well let's keep what's on Amazon now and put something more into Azure. Google is the one I see least of all, and uh, I mean, it's kind of well known, it's not a secret, this one, so I can mention it now. I think Google kind of doesn't care about compliance. That's wrong. I'm not going to say they don't care about, it. sure. They compli- care about compliance, mm. but they don't have the business case internally yet to put a lot of effort behind achieving all those compliancies. They're much more looking at cool tech, which is yeah. the way that they are better than the other two, they've got the cooler tech. But it does limit their uh, access to customers a little bit in this part of the world. I guess in the U.S. it's going to be different because the U.S. doesn't have this problem. One, they don't have GDPR, which is a bad thing. Mm. Uh, And uh, yeah, government can do whatever they want over there, apparently, I've been told.
0: (laughs) I mean, this sort of is a, I think it's a nice connection to
1: I don't want no, to go fact. away from this one yet. No, okay. okay, go. go. Because, I mean, uh, this is also a bit of a marketing brouhaha because it, oh, yeah. this doesn't solve a single thing. Yeah. Because storing and processing EU data in EU, well, I mean, it's, it's a blog post and it's fairly open. Uh, it's talking about mm-hmm. Azure and the SaaS services for, uh, for 365 or whatever. But one of the main problems you get here is follow the Sun support. Yeah. If you do it full of the sun support, that means that I need to have a support person in the middle of the night here. And typically, what they do is follow the sun so that they don't have to pay s- persons extra overtime to do 24 <laughs> a day service. Yeah. But your support call gets transferred to India, Japan, US, around the yeah. world. And that means that the data pertaining to that support ticket can also move around. Yeah. This does not answer that one. Also, there's the infamous Cloud Act in the U.S., where U.S. government can just say that any U.S. company should give over their data to the U.S. government, regardless where it's stored. Now, the good thing is that uh, Microsoft actually acknowledges that one in the, in the blog post. So they're not—I mean, the, the title is a bit. Uh, not 100% honest, perhaps, but at least in the blog post, they do uh, acknowledge it that it's up to the customer to kind of encrypt their data before they put it on mm. the cloud. And once encrypted, of course, even if they're compelled to hand over the data, to encrypt the data, and if you use good encryption, it should stay safe. And that's also the weakness for this article. Because if you have to use uh, your own keys to encrypt your data anyway, why do you care where it is stored?
0: <laughs> well it, i mean it goes it goes back to what you were saying earlier like it goes back to um, often the 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 database, data based not database but data based regulations that different countries or regions or whatever have that you know regardless of whether you encrypt your data like data should not move beyond certain boundaries now We all know the differences between um, something that should be and something that you know can be enforced in some way, shape, or form. I will, however, call out that the the article, the blog article, does actually talk specifically about all of the data and personal data that is used to provide technical support is within this plan. So they must be deliberately spinning up. Um, you know, twenty-four by seven teams in region uh, to or ensure that that is the case, or you will
1: have the customer the choice to choose not to have twenty-four-seven support.
0: I don't think I'm yes. pretty I sure that's it. Really?
1: Yeah, it's uh, an unsustainable otherwise.
0: Mm, okay, I'm not sure I agree with that, ah, but that's fine. <laughs> Anything's anything's possible. Anything's possible. Um. Because yeah, I spoke specifically about follow
1: the sun type of support. Yeah, if you do that there's yeah, no yeah. way around it.
0: Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, but you know, this is this is not the only thing that uh, that Microsoft announced recently. Ooh, they'll have something that's
1: near and close to my heart, as as a lover of Bitcoin and everything mining, blockchain related stuff. Oh, you'd love it so Apparently, much. Apparently, Microsoft is protecting their customers because you are no longer allowed to mine crypto on Azure or Office 365, if that's
0: even possible, but it's included. Can you imagine a Word document with some macros that exist? I'm sure they do. (laughs) But I can't imagine the ROI. I mean, I guess the ROI, you don't really care if you've got like a a free account
1: that you just spin up on whatever. Not a free account. It's just if you, in fact, a million Word documents at one given time, even if they only do... One millimeter of calculation, <laughs> you get there. It's it's a it's a quantity game. Mm-hmm.
0: But yes, and while this uh, this is all sort of uh, all very interesting, like the reality is that this is just this is just the cloud providers um, trying to continually uh, protect their own internal resourcing. No. The fact is that clouds are built on the fact that you will buy a bunch of services and not consume them all day, every day at 100%. They are built on the fact that they can overcommit hardware that they deploy in data centers. And that's frankly how they make money. And anyone that goes in and then absolutely hammers the services and consumes 100% of what they pay for, the cloud providers will often, you know, chalk that up as abuse unless you can really demonstrate. No, no, this is actually uh, useful, productive, and how I expect to consume this service. And even then, sometimes you'll hit like weird, funky rate limits that uh, are not in the contract, and like weird stuff like that. And yeah, I've seen all of these things happen, so that's fun.
1: Yeah, and the rate limits—the the annoying thing is that you can't put a rate limit on a CPU. You can kind of segregate your memory a little bit. You can pin CPUs, but once you have access to a core, you kind of access to that core. The typically mm-hmm. rate limits things like network trans- uh, transfers, IOPS to disks and things like that to mm-hmm. slow down stuff. But yeah, Bitcoin mining specifically is totally CPU or GPU. Now in these cases, I'm assuming mm-hmm. people are going to be using CPUs because they're cheap and available. And it's very hard to limit that. And it's an abuse because you will be sharing that hardware with other clients of the hyperscaler. And those other clients are going to start complaining because that over commissioned, over provisioned, under provisioned, overused Mm -hmm. piece of hardware will not be able to satisfy everybody's needs. And if this goes along, uh, if, if this goes on even further, they have multiple Bitcoin miners on the same server, your Bitcoin miners are gonna start complaining that their Bitcoin mining is uh, shutting down because they don't <laughs> have the resources anymore. So yeah, it's uh, it's one old, of those things. Poor
0: Bitcoin right? miners. Yeah, so and poor
1: hyperscalers, because again, we're kind of going to the, the, the dirty secrets of hyperscalers now, I mean, hmm they don't put that on their terms of service, right? They don't tell you that if you buy this VM, you will only get like 60% available at any given time. It's something you kind of take for granted because it's supposedly cheaper. That being said, ROI calculations are very hard to do and there's Mm -hmm. different ways of looking at that. But uh, it's what the Hyperscales are built upon. It's this whole, you buy it but not use it so we can sell it twice principle.
0: Yeah 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 and and as as jan kind of hinted towards this sort of this gets into the uh dirty secrets that the cloud providers don't want you to know segment um which is the fact that um multiple like all of the cloud providers have certain regions that you can go and like if you go and look at their websites um you know of, often you can look at like service availability for certain regions and you'll notice certain regions have less services available now sometimes this is because a region has been like relatively recently stood up and is still being built out and services are still being deployed to it like it takes time like even though you might think a lot of this stuff is fully automated like a lot of it is, but a lot of it still takes time and effort from people um, in order to make the tweaks and, and tuning that's required to deploy a new service to a new region. But also, like sometimes it's a it's a sheer like scale and footprint thing. Like there's a minimum viable deployment size that you need to be able to make something uh, worthwhile. And sometimes it's just because... The data center, regardless of whether it's a small, medium, or absolutely huge one, is is frankly packed out and is full. And essentially they're continuously operating on uh, the, the the kind of the ability to decommission older, less efficient hardware and actually replace it with newer, more efficient, higher density lower power consuming lower heat generating hardware and they're they're frankly just cycling hardware in and out of those buildings as quickly as they can in order to try and get some kind of scale now this is not a microsoft thing or an aws thing or a gcp thing i have seen this from all three cloud providers at various kind of times and locations around the world it's not restricted to just developing regions it's also we see it in in kind of regions in very well developed uh countries and locations as well so it's but you you can't i was so surprised when we started talking about this that i can't seem to find and maybe there is one out there and if you're listening and you know of one podcast at roaring please um or use the contact form on our website, Um, I could not find an independent article where someone had figured out all of the resource-constrained cloud provider regions. And that blows my mind that no one's done that.
1: Uh, we talked about this before we started recording, and I've had time to think about it. and yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a diesel, I need some uh, warm-up time. <laughs> and while we were talking there, I was thinking, I can tell you exactly of all the cloud providers, which of their data centers, which of their availability zones in which of the data centers are mm-hmm. currently at capacity. Mm-hmm. All of them. Why would they have servers in there they're not expecting to sell today or tomorrow? They have so much data. They can predict the demand pretty, pretty well, I think. So they just put in stuff as fast as I can, up to the point where they know they can sell it, and they have their growth trajectories, and they're so big that saying no to customers—yeah, sorry, not available—doesn't hurt them as long as they have their growth path set up and their their business case is made. The one thing that's kind of making it a bit ba- a bad time for them right now is probably the energy prices. The whole energy thing, meaning that old hardware becomes way more expensive than newer hardware because new hardware typically is less power hungry. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the graphics cards and things like that. So they probably want to accelerate a little bit there. But apart from that, why would they add another thousand servers if they're not entirely certain those servers will be in use, making money in the next week? Mm-hmm. So every data so, center out there is going to be at capacity, I think.
0: Uh, so yes and no. I think but the no, challenge is yes. that, no, no, yes, yes and no, yes. Uh, you're right, but you're also wrong because what I'm saying is that there are some data centers where the, there is literally no more capacity that they can add. They are out of space, out of power, nope. out of, there are, there definitely are. I can nope, tell you this because, more a fact.
1: New hardware replaces four old hardware.
0: But that's what I was saying earlier. like they they can only do a certain amount of that shifting over time. And the steady growth of those regions is outstripping that kind of hardware thing. with new new hardware. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. like they're they're unable to um cycle old hardware for new hardware. They can only do that at a certain rate because, <laughs> Every time they do that, they're decommissioning, commissioning new. Yeah, yes, they gain some scale. If you're talking about a lot of people, you can hire more people. But, but they're, they're constrained on that as well. Like the hyperscalers have all let people go. Like they, they can't just automatically throw more more bodies at all of these all of these challenges
1: to a point yes but again it needs to be financially viable and it's just a decision from themselves this is a growth part we've committed to and that's what we're keeping up and if there's more people Mm. coming i'm going to say crudely we don't care
0: i mean the conversations i've had with people reason i wouldn't say super high up but high enough up to i think be able to give me a little window into their world is that the overhead of like they're having to continually cycle old hardware for new because frankly there's there's no other way that they can continue to to meet the goals that as we were talking about but they can only do that at a certain rate and it is far easier and frankly far cheaper for them to just add new hardware into data centers that are not power or space constrained like the they so that is where they will put their time and effort and money, because frankly they can make more money faster by doing that than they can by cycling old hardware out and plugging new hardware in. Um so it, it's it's a balance and it's not it's frankly not something that the cloud providers are particularly good at communicating for kind of obvious they reasons. They, they exactly they don't want to. They want to hide this kind Reflexible, of I,
1: infinite growth infinite power <laughs>
0: infinite power um, but it's just i mean if you're if you're spinning up you know 10 20 VMs you'll never ever hit any of this like there's all there's enough capacity in like every region to be, to be able to do that it's and even if lots of people individually do that that's probably also going to be fine but if you're an organization that's going to be spinning up say a new SaaS service in a new region or a new cloud provider um, you're going to be needing not just you know tens of cores or hundreds of cores you're going to be needing thousands of cores or tens of thousands of cores and you know it's not going to be on day one obviously you're going to be scaling that out as you deploy your service and all that sort of stuff but those are the kind of conversations you really really need to have with the cloud provider and you I would definitely encouraged you to push them pretty hard on this stuff because i've definitely seen conversations with this with individual cloud providers where they've gone yeah that's fine no problem and then you know you actually go ahead and do some of these things and they go oh oh when i said no problem what i meant was um not this year or (laughs) next year or potentially the year after like it's it's a real challenge and frankly, no one seems to want to talk about it. Everybody believes the
1: marketing. I mean, we've all been told that cloud is infinite growth and flexible, whatever. And you as a a consumer of cloud, you can just grow with flexibility and everything works. Mm -hmm. I mean, the problem didn't go away. It's still there. It's just somebody else's problem now. And they've got a lot of legal letters. To protect them from exactly you claiming against that problem because yeah. it, it's it's you it can't break the laws of physics. I mean, Star Wars mm-hmm. one has to do Star Trek one as well, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just part of it. I mean, and for SaaS providers, typically you have this very ten- very big tension field between the SaaS provider expecting to be able to grow incrementally but seamlessly, mm-hmm. and the cloud provider saying, sure, but if you want to grow in a year's time from zero to I don't know, a million yeah i need to buy hardware today which you promised me to take off my hands next month are you not going to promise me that i'm not going to buy that stuff i mean at some point somebody has to take not only the risk but do the investment to do that and yeah they don't talk about that because that's just what it is. And we're talking yeah. about SaaS pro- uh, providers of SaaS vendors now, but even smaller companies with the coming of Kubernetes and containerization and all that fun stuff and the ease technology UIs to scale up your deployment quite often yeah. when you really need it, VM says no. Yeah. And having guarantees from the cloud providers that if you want, you will have, you can get some. Mm-hmm. but there will be a lot of asterisks and caveats and only ifs in those letters. So indeed, be prepared and don't, I mean, I mean, the short answer, I guess, is don't trust the government, uh, not the government. I mean, don't trust the government either, but don't trust <laughs> the marketing. Wonderful.
0: All right. Well,
1: I think that's everything on this. Yeah, I think we've uh, spilled enough beans Let's see if we still have a job tomorrow.
0: (laughs) But unless you have anything else to add. Nothing else from
1: me. That is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast. Please become a patron. We do need our patrons to keep this show on the road. And uh, patrons, thank you very much for your continued support. We are on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit notification bells, do YouTube stuff, make Dave happy. You have to smile when I say that. And you have to be on YouTube to see Dave smile. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> please go to www.roaringelephant.org. There's links there to the Patreon page, the YouTube page, not all that information about the podcast. You can follow us on Twitter using the Elephant tag, and you can see, send feedback to the email address, podcast at atroaringelephant.org. That being said, until next time, my name is uh, OnPremion.
0: And my name is Scalability to the Cloud, Dave.
1: And we look forward to this, Virtual Future to talk to you again next week. (laughs) Goodbye.
0: (laughs) The cloud is just someone else's computer. Goodbye. Uh, Get off my pillow.